Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we have Tyler Austin with Florida Cash Real Estate. He flew in from Destin, Florida to talk about how he hacked his way to a million dollars in revenue on just 30,000 in marketing spend. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, founder of the Offer Fast Homes app, the only MLS for off-market wholesale properties, and I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. If you guys have been following me on social media, then you know that we just finished building out our classroom. We're going to be holding sales training and masterminds there. If you want to close more deals, please apply at disruptors.com to see if the class will be a good fit for you. If you get value today, please tag a friend below, share this episode right now. Uh, that way we can all grow together. And this is a live show, so please ask your questions for Tyler to answer. You ready? I'm ready, man. Super ready. All right. So one thing we talked about before we even talked about the show was hacking your hacker. Yeah. What, what is that hacking thing about? Yeah, so uh, it's always kind of crazy because a lot of people say, well, what, like, what did you do before, you know, real estate? I'm like, well, I mean, the easy way to say is I was a hacker, right? Mm -hmm. But to, like, delve even deeper in that, like, I was a SCADA hacker. So I would do things like... A what uh, hacker? SCADA. So SCADA stands for... Well, shoot, I forget now. But essentially, think of power plants, right? Cars, mm -hmm. things like that. Um, yeah, man, I don't remember what the acronym is. That's funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so my, my biggest thing was, was planes and things like that, right? So I... I focused on trying to figure out uh, if anybody was able to toy with things that they're not supposed to toy with that would jeopardize either missions or lives, essentially. Yeah. For what organization are you worrying about jeopardizing people's lives? Uh, a, a lot of different organizations. Yeah. Uh, I, so, I, yeah, I worked in the government and, okay. uh, yeah, so. Okay. So, you're, uh, that's the hacker part. Yeah. Uh, so, I guess that was, what got you into real estate? So. What really got me into real estate is that hacker job was a 50% travel job, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, I, I was looking at getting into real estate a little bit earlier on into, uh, you know, my career. And um, initially, I, I was trying to find like a duplex, you know, so I can rent one, live in the other type of scenario. And uh, it just never happened and could never find it. Ended up buying a house. Uh, thankfully, like broke even on it. It was terrible. When it, when in the, it, when the summer melted, my whole basement flooded. Oh. So worst experience ever. I was like, man, if this happens to my rentals, like that's when I realized, like I was looking at buying rentals in North Dakota at the time. I was like, that's not going to work. So uh, we ended up getting down to Northwest Florida, you know, that Destin area. So and, you, were uh, you were initially you were trying to do this in North Dakota. Yeah, I was trying to do it in North Dakota. And that was just your primary where everything got ruined. Yeah, yeah, that was my primary. And, and I was really not looking really, like I didn't know about wholesaling, I didn't know about any, anything about at the time. Technically, I, I, I was bird dogging because there was mm -hmm. an agent I was working with and any time I would, I would go, I was basically going to the duplexes and I was reaching out to the homeowners to try and buy their duplex because it seemed like they were renting them and I wanted to live in it. Um, some of them wanted to sell, but none of them wanted to sell to where I could have my, the rent cover my mortgage. Um, so for those people, I just pushed off to an agent and he gave me a gift card and that was that. Um, so I guess technically <laughs> it's like a really cheap wholesale. Um, yeah. I couldn't imagine receiving a gift card for a deal nowadays, but uh, <laughs> uh, that was like the very beginning. Uh, but once I realized like, when the flood happened in my house, I was like, dude, like this whole remote thing for rental wise, not gonna work. I stopped that. I had just got out of the military. I uh, just had a kid, there's a lot going on then. So thankfully, you know, we got down to Northwest Florida and that's really when my government career started kicking up. And, uh, and after that, we, uh, you know, I got, I got tired. So I started re-researching how to get rentals and all that stuff to kind of get my money somewhere, mm -hmm. ran into the wholesaling thing. I was like, that stuff's not real. Like, there's no way that it's legal because I was thinking I needed to be an agent, all that typical, you know, jargon. Um, and, uh, you know, very quickly I learned that it wasn't, you know, 
uh, illegal. Right. And, um, you know, for through local networking and stuff like that. And yeah, and then that first like quarter of, of kind of learning and educating, we did like 250,000 and, and then it was off to the races. So let's talk about that first deal. So you, you had this moment, you know, you're, you're, you're leaving the military. Yeah. You're looking at this wholesaling thing, which it looks like a total scam. Yeah. When was this approximately? So uh, when I was leaving, that was 2015. So 2015. Yeah. How long until you got your first deal? So um, I didn't start, like I didn't learn about, okay, actually you asked about the whole, learning about wholesaling. Mm -hmm. That wasn't until like 2017. Okay. Because uh, I, I got out in 2015. That's when I was trying to do the rental stuff. Mm -hmm. Moved down to uh, Florida again, and uh, it was about 2017. Um, and didn't do anything with, with learning about it decided to start actually focusing on it about May 2018. Okay. Yeah, so So fairly fairly, fairly recent. Fairly recently. Um and uh you know I, I I jumped in really full feet. I had a Amex card and uh, I was supposed to be using it to like get Hilton honor points for my travel, you know, and all that good stuff. And I just it had a $10,000 limit on it. I had terrible credit. I had my debt to income was ridiculous. Um and I uh, just maxed it out for the 10 grand on direct mail and uh, didn't get anything. Got a lot of direct mail returned to me. Oh. And um, so you could say you didn't really know what you were doing. I didn't know anything that I was doing, no. So I was like, dude, I need. there's no way you can do this. Even if I did get a deal, I, I had read on a blog post, probably on Bigger Pockets or something, it's like the average deal size between seven and 12 grand. I would not be able to catch up. So, um, so yeah, I ended up basically taking uh, a break for three months or four months and um just i being what i did i was very you know i'm very analytical um so i built out a whole google website i documented everything i knew about like you know the uh the wholesaling what the different parts are i was like, okay there's like these four quadrants acquisitions dispositions marketing administration let me just figure out which one i can have someone do while i'm traveling i automated all that so I kicked back up with a full-time acquisition specialist slash dispo. I paid her 20% for both, mm -hmm. to do both jobs. And a cold caller and an administrative VA, and then started marketing, turned everything on again, and then deals just started coming in as I was Marketing traveling. how? So we were doing uh, cold calling, but the way we were doing it was really focused. So uh, we were essentially, um, essentially we were taking a, like, like sell documents on Google Sheets and I was using, um, uh, it's not an add-on anymore. I think it's turned into Power Editor or something like that. And I was cleaning them up, and uh, and, and then basically taking any of the high equities and tax lien. So essentially, the stacking thing. I don't really like that word, but the mm -hmm. stacking thing. Um, and I was having my acquisitions when there was no leads coming in from our cold caller. She was niching in and just dialing those manually uh, through call tools mm -hmm. uh, and leaving voicemails. Uh, on every single one, like organic voicemails to the person type scenario. Um, and that kicked up, you know, over $100,000 in, in just doing that. And what was funny about it is kind of like, um, I talk about like active and passive kind of marketing. Uh, and that's kind of like both at the same time, mm -hmm. because with the voicemail, that's who we never out of those deals that we closed doing that, all of them were calling us back. Yeah. And so then we learned about RVMs and stuff like that, which we don't do anymore because of Florida legislation and whatnot. But um, yeah, it was a little mixture of everything. It was pretty much outbound though. Um, I stopped doing direct mail. I was, so very, direct scared. Mail was, I was very scared of it. Yeah. Um, you know, spending that and then not doing that. And then that was that like first kind of intro, you know, timeframe. And then 20, 
2019 was um, was a whole nother you know ball game of, of learning and education and um, and revenue. Yeah, got it. So you took the data that you had that you pulled, and then you're stacking it in Google Sheets. Yeah, Google Sheets. And then you're having your cold call to call that list and leaving yeah. organic voicemails. And yep. you said that turned into 100K. Yeah, so um, actually my cold caller never really picked up too much. Like we don't do very many cold call deals. I think Mm -hmm. in 2018, we only did about 15 deals from just straight cold calling, Um, like with a a dialer bulk dialing. Most of our revenue comes from that, like plucking them out. I call it the go, no go process. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And it's like, we go through, being that I was a hacker, right? It was something that we do is called OSINT, open source intelligence. Um, and it's all about the science of like finding people online through things that are not breaking in through a back door or something like that. So we set up a process to use that same kind of tactic that I would use to find and you know people before we would do engagements to real estate essentially. Um, so we would bringing do- intelligence, gathering to real estate. Yeah, got it. Right. I mean, and uh, and and basically that that's that's where that that first hundred K came from. It was like we were digging in. It's like we know this person's tax delinquent. We haven't spoke to him yet. That's our fault, not their fault. We just need a yes or a no. Mm-hmm. And that's really what a go no go is. It's like digging in until you get a yes or a no. Um, so we have a whole process, a whole flow charts um, in, in ways. Like if we have an email, what is our pipeline? If we have a username, what is our pipeline? What if we have just a first and last name, what is our pipeline? In real estate, we're really, really fortunate that it's a lot of public record data. Mm-hmm. We have first names and last names, we have mailing addresses, we have property addresses, we can skip trace and get numbers. And if you have just that base information, you can pull on a lot of strings to find somebody. And, right. and that's what we focus primarily on. Usernames for what? So with usernames, um, I mean, a really good example is, um, let's just take uh, a username for Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. Facebook, you have your, your profile name, but then that that you, you can name at least older accounts, you can name a um, like your forward slash URL, mm-hmm. right? And generally, that's going to be the same as someone's Instagram handle. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the same as someone's Twitter handle. Those handles are generally also the beginning of people's emails, right? They're generally used uh, in a lot of different ways. Um, so if you have a username, you can take that username, you can populate it back to find old photos, and then you can download photos, do EXIF data. Really, it's about if someone's not being found through for numbers, the only way to find them them is by location geographically, and then dig into that location and mm-hmm. find out somebody else that might know them, right? So just real quick, because you mentioned it real quickly, EXIF data. Yeah. So EXIF da- data is for all those that have phones, right? Turn your GPS locations off. Um, <laughs> uh, EXIF data is essentially um, imagine it like a footprint, right? For a photo, right? EXIF data, and it's getting more and more and more advanced. Um, they're adding even more stuff into it. Um, if you could um, imagine, like back in the day, would you'd spin your cameras and you take a photo, and then you got to take the reel somewhere? Imagine if every time you press that your fingerprint essentially went with it and attached mm-hmm. to that reel. Um, yeah. That's really what it is. Your location, GPS coordinates, um, if, I mean, it, it's the weather, deep. the weather, the like time, everything with yeah. phones now, uh, they literally will put everything on there. I mean, uh, just think about can. it. Whenever you post a thing on Instagram, it says your location, it says the time. Yeah. Like there's a reason why they can pull the time and all this stuff. Right. <laughs> on Instagram. And a good, another good, you talk about usernames, right? How can we use usernames? Think about the, the age demographic of which we buy properties from and where are they at online? 
if they're in their 40s or 50s. You're not telling me they're going just emailing their AOL. Yeah, <laughs> emailing their AOL, right? <laughs> you know, 40s, 50s, if they're in the 60s or above, it's a little bit harder, but right, AOL accounts. Um, think about uh, Yahoo uh, dating websites, right? A lot of things nowadays, email doesn't matter, a phone number does. So You're not creating dating profiles. Not <laughs> Create dating profiles, right? <laughs> uh, a phone number, uh, let's just take, for example, Voxer, right? Voxer is a really popular tool now, right? Uh, how does Voxer know who you are? It's based off your phone number. Mm -hmm. So if you, and you can invite anybody to Voxer. So if you go and you're trying to reach somebody, create a Voxer account, if they just so happen to have the Voxer app, you can message them and send a voice message right from Voxer now. Like, so little things like that, that are just looking at the tools of which we use daily in our lives and using them, right, to, to reach somebody, you yeah. know? Um, Facebook messaging is the most minor of that thing, finding them on Facebook and sending them a message. But um, but that's where most people start. That's where most people start. That is one of the, uh, it's actually like fifth thing that we do in our process. Yeah. Is to find but I'm Facebook. saying like for most people, like if they wanted to go non-traditional, yeah. step one to be Facebook Messenger. Right, yeah. Uh, where are you pulling their uh, username? Um, so username just depends, right? It, it, it depends on what you're starting with, right? If you're starting with an email, an email is the very fir first thing. Now I have, because of my background, I have a whole virtual machine, all for OSINT that I plug and play. I have scripts mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but like, if you were just to do it right off, you know, the bat, you know, taking, if you have an email, right? Then take an email, you know, throw it in Google, put your quotations plus Instagram. Right, and you're gonna try and find their profiles. I was digging and uh, I did a training on it uh, like two weeks ago, mm -hmm. and I was like, well, I don't want to like use a seller, and I don't want to use one of the people in the training, so I use myself. And I found Pinterest profiles from when I was looking at photos of tattoos six years ago that I just randomly spun up because I didn't have it in it. I pulled out the excess data and found my home address from when I was in North Dakota. You know, I did the same thing with my phone numbers, and when I was vanilla more vanilla than I already am, right? Like in real estate, my BBB profile had my personal cell phone number on it, mm -hmm. right? It had my home address on there. Um, and I found through using even simple, you know, Google hacking tactics to, to w one result from just adding in three keywords in the right way brought up that information. So we have a whole process that can be automated through our VA to, to do that. Yeah, and when that's the reason why when we were talking about a hacker, hacking your way. Yeah, that's this is how you is. hacked your way. Yeah, hacked my way. So I love it. Uh, one thing we talk a lot about in sales training is um, getting the guard down. Yeah. Right, because like as when you get a cold call, you don't know who it is, your guard's up and so on. So we want to get their guard down. Yeah. You're approaching people through non-traditional means. Mm -hmm. How's their guard when you're, when you're first reaching out to them? You know, it's actually, uh, it's interesting because a lot of times we end up never reaching the homeowner mm -hmm. until we go through a sibling or something like that, right? Generally, uh, if, if you can, right, you can use a trusted person to do the introduction. So that's what we try to do most of the time. Um, but their guard typically is actually really okay, to be honest yeah. with you, because think about it, like the stigma of receiving a cold call versus mm -hmm. receiving a message on Facebook, like wherever they're at the most is where they feel most most comfortable really no matter who it's from interesting right like but like if you were to send me a boxer i'd be like what the hell is this right you might say you might think that right um i could see you could see that right the yeah. boxer thing is a little bit extreme that's kind of like um or a marco polo or a marco polo <laughs> yeah you know things like that are, are getting out there but um you know it, we we haven't experienced i've experienced way more hate 
from standard cold calling with it popping up as a block message and things like that than I have through traditional means of making the introduction. You know, it's just like in text messaging now, they're saying, don't say, would I like to buy your house? Ask questions like, you know, are you looking to get your grass cut? Right? The very intro conversation mm -hmm. to break the ice. So, yeah. you know, you just use those simple sales tactics in everything that you do. Mm -hmm. And, you know. I was, uh, you sent me your, your presentation from a couple of weeks ago. And I just kind of just streamed through it real quick. Yeah. Uh, one thing you talked about was tear. Yeah. Tear. Tear. Yep. You want to elaborate on that? Yeah. So it's a method I call the tears reduction method. Mm -hmm. um, essentially, uh, I was thinking like, how can I create a process that's complicated and break it down? And the best way to do that is to have something you can pick up and carry, mm -hmm. right? I think that's something everybody should do with their teams in any complicated role or task. Um, so essentially the tears reduction method is is the, the method of which will reduce the tears of you like just losing deals, right? Um, it's two uh, tiers side by side. In the middle is a diamond. It's also mm -hmm. an affinity symbol, kind of weird. But uh, yeah, in the middle with the diamond, essentially that's where your new campaigns lie. Mm -hmm. um, so you kind of go around this, uh, this tier and at each section moving around that tier uh, is a new task or a new thing that you need to do in your marketing. The left-hand side of, a t of the tiers reduction method, I'm happy to give the link for everybody to have in, in the show notes or something, mm -hmm. um, is, is essentially creating new campaigns. The right, the right tier is going through those campaigns and updating your data so that you can actively market through a list of prospects. And as you're marketing through them, you're properly tracking and annotating on your data, removing out the garbage, and then it comes back around to that diamond in the middle where the new campaigns lie. Mm -hmm. So uh, as an example, intake new data into your company, do what I call the 4W method, right? That's tagging, essentially figuring out, making sure you're saying where it's from, when you bought it, all that kind of stuff. As you go around that, there's cleaning up your data because that's another big thing. The reason in the very beginning, by the way, that, that first 250,000 was from 2,500 records, mm -hmm. right? Um, because that's incredible. Yeah. Um, after I uh, after I sent all that mail, I was like, dude, this the, I'm not gonna continue hitting everybody. I just I just took an absentee list, mm -hmm. and that's what we marketed to. And then we got a, a free tax delinquent list, and that's what we marketed to. And then we started pulling in evictions. But in that, I had wrote some Python scripts to clean up that data. Uh, and later, that that methodology of clean, incomplete trust company numbers, no numbers, and tracking that and having my VA do that turned into the tiers reduction method, um, which is how every our whole marketing cycle just funnels around that. Yeah, um, it's hard to explain without the vi visuals to it. Sure. But, um, well, I mean, we talked about this yeah. uh, last year, uh, last month. We were talking about uh, when you had me on your show. Where yeah. Afterwards, we're talking about uh, one of your biggest frustrations is the proliferation of data with no effort to clean it up. Yeah. You want to elaborate on that? Yeah. I, I, Man, I could go on forever. We're gonna need more time. Um, <laughs> like, I think one of the biggest disservices that we have in the real estate industry is the data industry. Um, and don't get me wrong, I love skip tracing. It's one of the most powerful things we have. Mm -hmm. But it's also both of those are designed to make you do more, right? Spend more money, do more here, do more there. You can buy. A question I always ask people is like, when they buy data. Um, after they do the first campaign, they tell me, oh, this data, I need to buy more data. This, none of these people want to sell. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, well, well, how many people did you actually speak to? How much data did you have? Like, well, I just downloaded 10,000 or, or even had 5,000 from this service or that service, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, great. Um, and how many leads you get? Oh, like five leads. Okay, cool. 
Um, so there's still 9,995 yeah. people. You know these people need to sell. Right. They, you only talk to five of them. Yeah, like why would you do that? Uh, it doesn't make any sense, especially if you're using like the tiers reduction method and you have that like the go, no go list and there's uh, you know, 30 of those people that you know are in terrible situations and you're just like, oh, I couldn't reach them. Like what the heck does, what, what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. That's like, like uh, somebody going to combat and be like, well, that hill's kind of high. Like I don't really feel like going <laughs> over it because I know that on the other side of it, you know, it is a combat zone. Mm -hmm. Like as a CEO, your only service is to learn and educate and figure out how you can do expansion, right, of your company reduction of costs and increase in revenue. Mm -hmm. Like those, that's like your job. And if that entails understanding how to contact 10,000 people or how to maintain that the proper way, then that's what it entails. And yeah. you can't use the excuse like, I don't understand. You you ripped that off when you decided to be an entrepreneur. You know, like, so yeah. So like- Super just, passionate about it. I'm super passionate about it. You know, you, you have to, you have to understand what's going on with all that data because it is, there's two most important things in your business, data and people. Mm -hmm. Without those two things, there is nothing, right? You need one or you, you need both realistically. You could have just have people, but then you're gonna have to go like door knocking, mm -hmm. right? And if you, and even still there, there's a data centric around that, right? Tracking who did you door knock? What did they say? Did yeah. they tell you to F off? Did they not? Things like that. So then you're finding in your own personal experience that your own experience in the military helped you ask better questions once you got into this business. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think because you started off just doing direct mail because that's what you knew. That's yeah. what you heard. Maybe you saw in a video, you watched it in some forum, whatever. Yeah, and, and I, I and I still love direct mail, um, but the reason why is because um, because of that. Um, sometimes in 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 the in the world of like in in red team type hacking, uh, where you're where you're trying to do an engagement where you do breaches, right, or some, things like that, or if you're trying to get in contact with guy over here, but you know that this individual is the way to him, you know, much like you know networking and things like that, right? Trust triangle. Trust triangle. We have fantastic, right? Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it's easier to attack, you know, the weaker link, mm -hmm. right? And then from there, do a bridge over. So um, knowing that. I love direct mail still because direct mail is another way just to make that handshake yeah. right through the through the mailbox. Um, so when it came to sending direct mail, it was just because yeah, I thought that was the easiest way to do it passively. Um, and then the military experience really delved into uh, really it was not so much my military experience because I was an ammo troop in, in the Air Force. I just built bombs and I, I did do some stuff afterwards, um, but like it wasn't anything that would have prepared me for. Um, except for maybe like throwing a sledgehammer. Um, it was the government work after that that really, really was a big thing. Um, I think more than anything, it's it's the taking any experience that you have and then figuring out where your strengths are and just applying them into you know what you're passionate about. And I found out that I was really passionate about helping people. Um, and when I closed the deal and I received a hug from an 86 year old lady and she said, I hope I make a million dollars on a house. I had only made 30. Um, I say only, but that was, you know, I made 80,000 a year as a government person. And mm -hmm. that's like where I was capped at. That's yeah. it. You don't really go above that unless, you know, something crazy happens. But um, in, in, the, in the government, that does, doesn't exist. Right. You know, it's like you don't get, you know, pats on your back for, for, for doing what you're supposed <laughs> to. Um, you know, so I went in like two days later, quit my job and I was like, okay, how can I take this and, and leverage it? So walk me through this, you know, yeah. people 
hear all say all the time this is the toughest market and i've gotten that feedback as well from yeah. other people and other masterminds so if you were in my market and you were to replicate this yeah what would be the first step in trying to replicate this so not really in preparation for that question but i had a feeling that that question that it's a common question right like i ask that question to people all the time because i think it's it's super powerful right because yeah. it helps the people that are just getting going understand or anybody who's trying to do a new tactic um so what we did you know because i got here on sunday um is oh yeah you were texting me like you're yeah. trying to do intel yeah yeah exactly <laughs> like we were gathering intel i was like okay where's the areas around here you know and mm -hmm. uh what i like to do when i enter into a new area i've never been before is i like to just get a landscape what's going on uh what blew my mind is that the house like our airbnb is like a five hundred fifty thousand dollar house and it wouldn't be nothing but like maybe a two hundred fifty thousand dollar house where i'm from um and i'm like your all's market's crazy um <laughs> but uh but yeah so uh, we were driving around in, in Jordan, right? He was here a second ago. We were like, we're driving around and we're trying to figure out like, man, I can't really tell what is like needing flipped and what's not needing flipped because they're very, houses around here are, are very, uh, uh, I don't know, like cookie cutter, more they're or less. Very cookie cutter. They're newer. Right. Yeah. And um, so I was like, okay, that looks flipped. I can tell that's flipped. This one's not. So I started realizing like certain things like, like the fascia might not have paint on it or the mm -hmm. window. It's like little tiny things, right? Um, so we drove past and there's this mailman and you're all mailman walk door to door here, which is kind of crazy too. Depending on part of town. Okay. So, um, so, you know, he's like, Hey, come here. Right. And we're there driving around more. It's like right after I messaged you actually. And in that time frame, this mailman sent us 10 properties that he knows are vacant. Mm -hmm. um, and they're still on my phone and we're going to be sent some up. We can do some D for D stuff. I don't know. We're going to see what's going to happen. Uh, might be in the, fee, the, the Scottsdale market. Um, but no, so like, you know, if you, you can do that, you can build a relationship. That's a really, really good start. Yeah. Right. Especially with somebody who knows the area really well. And then the next thing that I would do is I would take, of course, find the hottest market that you have. Uh, and I have a, a methodology I call a three V motivated seller framework, value, fixation, viability. When you intake data in your business, you want to focus on those three things. What is the value? Value is two things, right? Value is obviously in the property. They have to have value for you, the, the seller. But value is also something to, to maybe you as a buyer, right? Mm -hmm. You need to look at it like it's of value. Value uh, in the property is really easy. You could have a $50,000 property that's paid off, $50,000 equity, great. But if it's in an area that no one's going to buy in, then obviously it's useless, right? So the value component wouldn't pass. So you mm -hmm. got to figure that out. Uh, vexations are things that are, are distress points, right? Like D for D, the, the mailman giving us those. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, viability is a couple different things. It's, it's, is the property too far gone that nothing can be solved except for something governmental like tax auction wiping off a mortgage, right? Or is it that you need to know more people or players in your market, reaching out to your team, coming to your office and networking, right? Things like that. Um, so viability and viability doors are you know your core advisors getting good attorneys getting good title companies people that you can lean on if you need information. Um, the first that value component though also has equity and the only way that you can find properties with equity is generally through some sort of data source right or you yeah. could do something else. But that's the easiest way. Um, so I always say you should go go you know go to wherever you want and get 2,500 records that fit in that first value component. The next thing you should do is you should go grab uh, the f the free you know, vexation that you can get. Auctions, foreclosures, when um, auctions I meant tax delinquent, foreclosures, driving for dollars, things yeah. like that, right? And then you're gonna merge those together and you're gonna segment those out, right? And there's gonna be four buckets, uh, equity, vacant, um, 
ouchies is what I call them. It's basically fixations. I just like call them ouchies. I got a four-year-old and five now. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so equity, uh, vacant, ouchies, and um, oh, what's my last bucket? Equity, vacant, ouchies. I can't think of my last bucket for whatever reason. Someone that's watching this that knows is like, I can't believe he doesn't know that. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, your four buckets, right? You segment, essentially segmentation. Mm-hmm. So for anybody that's familiar in marketing in general, like, cause that's what we are, right? I think I just seen you post something on Instagram. It was like, you know, we we're talking about this. Like we are sales and marketers. That's what we do. Oh yeah. That's, and that, every industry is right. a sales marketing industry. You, you have a product and that product mm-hmm. is just a property, right? And um, treat your data like you would treat your like email campaigns right anytime email campaigns are set out in a marketer they say okay this person clicked on a link go ahead and add a tag to them segment them out so that you can send proper marketing to them that might react maybe change the title or increase conversions that's what you're doing so you segment out that data and then take whatever one you're most viable on at that given moment not the high equity bucket because the equity is just the people that are on equity and that's it nothing else Take the one that you're most viable on, whether it was because you sat down with a probate attorney or you sat down with a tax attorney and you learned that in and out, and go, no, go, and dig in super deep into those 30, 40, 50 people, right? Um, and if you do that, if you become you know, the king of tax delinquent properties in your market, even if there's someone else trying to do the same thing, yeah. you will still be able to make a multiple six-figure company, like at minimum. Yeah, there's a, you ever watched the episode of Carl Spielvogel? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, he was the king of, of, of stalking people. So, really? Oh, yeah. I, like, I mean, one. he would go and find them in the bars. Like, Dang. Find out, like, you know, like, uh, this dude's mom is the person he's been trying to get hold of. Yeah. So he'll just go drink at that bar. <laughs> find the mom. <laughs> and talk to the guys, like, hey, oh, you know. Guy. okay. And it's like, you know, your mom's going through the situation. I'd love to help her out. Yeah. I mean, he's the king of stalking. That's amazing. I'm going to have to watch that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's essentially it, right? I mean, really digging in. And then as you get more marketing, right, into your business, as you get more revenue, you know, time is money, money is time. They both play a huge part. So if you ha- are in a W-2 and you don't have time, you're going to have to spend more money generally or spend more time, right? And because time is money and, and money, when I say that, when we talk about like prosperity, right, um, those hours that you have with your with your family after the afterwards, right, maybe those aren't worth the money, right? Like from your feelings perspective, right? The prosperity mm-hmm. wise. Um, so so maybe you need to spend more money, you know, either way. But figure out which you are, what, what bucket you fit in there, whether you have time or you have money, right? And then focus in on that small bucket. And then as you do it, add in, you know, the rest of the, uh, you know, oh, stacked. That's the fourth bucket. Equity, stacked, vacant, ouchies mm-hmm. um you know focus on the rest of that that segment of ouchies and then focus on the stacks and then focus on the vacants and then after all that said and done now you can focus on that other like two thousand people that just have equity yeah. equity is it's the lowest priority it's it's the lowest part it's like people get all hot and bothered about equity for some reason mm-hmm. when it's just like if you think about equity you're it's it's a qualifier to say that it's easier to do a deal that's yeah. it and you can fix not having equity by having more viability people like you know the sub two king over here mm-hmm. right yeah. and uh and, and and you could solve it that way but if you don't have enough viability to handle that yet then focus on the people that you know have right yeah so i wanted uh, to do a transition here yep so you were just at a camp with our incredible friend yes let's talk about that would love to yeah carrot camp yep by far uh, number one, uh, Trevor Mock is one of the uh, the most one of a, he's a huge inspiration for me, right? Um, and 
what he has over at Care Camp and like the kind of environment that he's created uh, is 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 really a beautiful thing, right? It um, it is like, um, you know, it, it's kind of funny because at, at the last night uh, we, we went out to dinner and uh, we had this dessert. You can either choose. I don't not purposely there was carrot cake and there is uh bread pudding um and i used to never love bread pudding i know this is like seems like it's out left field but um i used to never love bread pudding uh had it one time when i was doing an engagement in arkansas at this bar called like beer brewery or bear brewery or something probably not the best bread pudding on the planet actually it was freaking fabulous okay. it was it was amazing i was like oh my gosh i have to have more of this mm-hmm. and so now anywhere i go uh usually if they have bread pudding i'm gonna try it yeah I had this bread pudding there, and it was, it was the most simple. They didn't have raisins, they didn't have chocolate in it. It, it was just bread and some sort of, I don't know, like heaven sauce that was mixed in with it, right? And it, it I took a bite of it, and I was like, this is like, this is now my number one favorite. Um, but the simplicity of what it was, right? It wasn't super. It wasn't filled in. And mixed with a bunch of other things, they they're really good at just taking what it was beautiful at, mm-hmm. and that's a good representation of what care camp is, right? Um, it's not a mixture of all these other faddish things in real estate over here, all this other stuff here. What it is is like that perfect, you know, bread pudding, right? That yeah. I that I needed in that week period um, to kind of just sit there and and listen to some other amazing people. Uh, doing what they're doing in their business, but on top of that, uh, really helping me understand some of the things like what Trevor has done to build like such an amazing community. Yeah. Um, and, and and more than than all of that, um, it's impact of which is created through business, right? Like, um, I've always been super focused on like it doesn't really matter how much money I make. Through you know I'm I'm capped off personally, and the rest of that goes somewhere else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, what I realized is that I haven't been doing that very effectively because I have a, enough money to make a, a good impact, right, in my local community. And this whole time, because my wife is still active duty, this whole time I've been telling myself that my local environment um, could always change, right? It might go somewhere else. Um, so I've been just like reserving and having stuff come in, you know, giving back to the real estate community, but not giving back to the, the place where I'm living. Um, and at Caracamp, what I realized through Trevor's experiences is that it's never too early in your business career to start feeding into your environment, um, both your physical environment uh, and the people that bring you up. Yeah. 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 And I love Trevor. I mean, he's, yeah. I, I've only interacted with him with a few to- uh, just a few times, but incredible yeah. character, uh, incredible uh, giver, and he just wants to help people. Yeah. Yeah. So what were some of your biggest takeaways from Caracamp? Um, well, um, one of the coolest things that we did is like, we set challenges. So like my challenge is, um, locally in my community, I've started, uh, uh, well, Christina is working on it for me, uh, finding a a good location for us to start an entrepreneurial meetup. Um, not real estate focused at all, just entrepreneurial, right? Uh, especially since we have a really huge military background, uh, with three or four military, four military bases being in that central area. Oh wow! Um, to uh, to essentially, if people are are holding back, not wanting to start something, and they just have like this little bit of spirit in them that they feel like they are wanting to do something different, that they can come, and they can speak to me and kind of my experiences transitioning out in 2015 to kind of where I'm at now. 
um, and, and, and fostering that locally in the community uh, and then trying to give back as much as possible. So that was like my number one giveaway or my number one takeaway uh, was to take action sooner than later because you know we see what happened you know where 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 Kara's at now where Trevor's at now and and, and the business um, but you don't see all the other things that Trevor did to kind of get to build that community yeah. uh, and that took uh, you know years to accomplish and I haven't even started yet right all right. because and I've been in Fort Walton Beach now for almost three years four years yeah three years you know if I would have started three years ago when I decided that I wanted to start being you know doing this who knows where I would have been, right? So that's right. the biggest thing. Uh, the second thing um, is uh, that I really want an office. Uh, I know that's not like a, a huge takeaway, but I really want an office to be able to build more impact in my community. Um, and um, uh, the next thing is that um, people who are successful in real estate in general um, aren't always on Instagram. Yeah. Oh, that's definitely true. I found that found that quite a bit when I was in Collective Genius. Yeah. yeah there's a whole lot of people that are really successful that you have no idea who they are yeah yeah so make uh a, a make a stronger effort make a, a larger effort trying to network th- with people who aren't on instagram versus mm-hmm. those that are right i think people yeah. on instagram are good too uh but um your your local connections inside your community can be the difference of this person who's in the chamber of commerce or this person who knows a councilman or this person who knows this person um, getting a deal or getting a, you know, a development project that you would have probably no chance of getting. So right. find the people who know the people and network with the people. Um, and that's, that's really important. Awesome. Um, so there are people that are watching this show right now or maybe later that don't believe in, in, in masterminding or paying, you know, for personal development. Yeah. Care to share your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would love to. Um, I think one of the funniest things earlier, I talked about the, like I called, you know, um, in, in Alice to Prosperity, we talked about the myths, the myths of entrepreneurship, right? Mm-hmm. Those, the, the, those questions in, in real estate, we have like the myths of real estate. One of them is data. Uh, that is uh, the most, it's crazy to me. The, not even getting into it again, but that's that's a huge myth. Um, the next biggest myth, uh, in my opinion, is is the whole I want to start a multiple six figure company or I want to start a, a seven figure company. Um, I want to make this big impact, but it's literally I'm going to do it alone. Number one, uh, or I'm going to do it with zero money. Mm-hmm. That is 100 percent possible to do it with zero money. Um, but again, time is money. Money is time. Uh, if you have value for yourself and your time right both mentally physically everything um you will you should expedite yourself yeah i'm not saying that you should you know um you know steal someone's wallet and go pay for a mastermind course right don't Mm. don't do something that will justify your character in order to to join a mastermind or anything like that don't lie about your credentials to be on a mastermind don't don't do those types of things because that gets you further into it might maybe not now yeah but two years down the road from now you can really put yourself in a pickle right So um, just work really, really hard, right? To, to, to get whatever money it is, sell your car. People that will say they don't have money to join a mastermind or don't have money to, to get data or, or any of these things, um, they have like a $350 car payment to get them three miles down the street to go to work and back and maybe like five miles to go here or maybe once a year to drive six hours somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make any sense, right? Um, 
the biggest struggle I think a lot of people have when they're getting started um, is is the the fact that they're personally way over leveraged and mm-hmm. and they're compensating for what they want with things they don't need um, and uh, so so essentially um, yeah I, w- I would uh, I can't remember your question initially it's about the investing in your mastermind, Shortcut, right. shortcutting your process. Yeah. So, so the um, that three hundred and fifty dollars, right? Take that, and in three months you can afford a mastermind, yeah. or you can afford uh, in one month you can afford a course, right? Mm-hmm. In twenty nineteen, I had a really big aha moment, right? After I made my first two fifty, that all, all of a sudden, like my business is doing well. You know, um, you know, we're, we were we were consistently doing uh, between seventy and eighty three, or what, eighty five, or something like that a month. And, um, and I'm like, cool, I can go buy a new vehicle, mm-hmm. right? So I went and I bought the best freaking uh, Jeep I could find, right? I, at the time, I had a paid off 2009 Jeep Wrangler. Love the thing, but I was like, I made up, I made up reasonings on why I, I didn't need that vehicle because I'm a business guy now. I need to be able to be on my phone while I'm driving and stuff so that I can uh, talk to sellers and stuff because it was a soft top, it, it was super loud. Um, so I was like, if I buy a new Jeep, I'll have the Bluetooth. I'll be able to do business while I'm going. It justifies my purchase. So you start talking to yourself and start justifying these things you don't need. Um, three months later, I paid $8,000 to get rid of the Jeep and then paid $17,000 cash for a new truck. Yeah. And some people wouldn't agree with doing that. Um, but what it did in that moment um, is it relieved the fact that I need to make an extra $900 a month. It relieved the fact that I have to pay another $250 in insurance. It relieved all that. And I realized that that same uh, $1,100 a month that I'm spending total for a vehicle, right, which I just didn't need, uh, is roughly $12,000 to $15,000 a year, uh, which is either a good mastermind or it's uh, two decent masterminds. Uh, Carrot is is very affordable for wh- what I think, right? It would be like six or seven carrots or something. I'm not good at math. <laughs> um, like it'd be totally worth it. So yeah. um, invest in your. You gotta invest in yourself. Um, but you you gotta like if you get your first deal, take that money, put it into education because like. People and relationships is by far the like made me where I am now. For yeah, sure. I think that, and that's understated, is the uh, the relationships you're able to build uh, through masterminding. Huge. huge. So Tucker was here last week, yep. And we talked about one of the easiest ways to start building your brand and building your business is starting a podcast. Yeah. So I was on your podcast, and that was one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. Thank you. So for anyone that was listening last week, that says, "Okay, I need to start a podcast," and then they want to copy your questioning style and techniques. Mm-hmm. How would they go about learning how to question the way you question? So that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> um, so I we talk about people, right? We mm-hmm. talk about relationships. Um, when I was coming up with the Allies to Prosperity podcast, all I did um, was I tapped into people around me. I was like, listen, this is what I want to do. This is my vision. I want to have a podcast where anybody, I want it to be more generic, not just in real estate. I want people who are looking to become prosperous. I want people who are looking to you know, do more with their lives. But I don't know how I'm gonna centralize it to handle such a diverse way, like questioning, right? Because a lot of the people I know are in real estate. A lot of the people I know are in software. You know, like, but there's other ways to build prosperity. 
So what I did is I, I, I went out into my, uh, the, my sphere of influence, right? And I said, uh, or the trust triangle, I think you called it, mm-hmm. right? That's, I went out and I said, this is what I'm looking to do. What I would love to know from you, when you were just getting started and thinking about prosperity, think three months before that and tell me what were you feeling? What were the questions that were running through your mind that you didn't tell anybody? And then fast forward to the point when you decided to pull the trigger, what were you feeling then? And then three months afterwards, what were you feeling then? So like in our song of Allies to Prosperity, we made a song for it. And in the very beginning, it has a bunch of questions that are being asked, right? Over and over and over. And there's one part in it that says, uh, do I do this for my daughter, right? And that was one of my statements, right? It was like, okay, that was, I did this exercise myself. And um, so we did all that and it collected right around, it's like 300 statements, right? Uh, and we narrowed it down to about 20 of them. We built the song from it. Um, and then after that, we took that and I asked again, I was like, okay, great. I know how you're feeling now. This is the direction we're going with it. Um, what I would love to know is that if you had the ability also in that moment through that transition to ask whoever it is that you find to be prosperous, not successful in your eyes of financially, but prosperous, everything combined, what would you ask that person? Mm-hmm. Um, and we got a ton of questions from, or you know, questions that would be asked. Uh, and we married up the most impactful that I felt from all the questions over here with the most impactful questions over here um, together. And uh, one of uh, one of the people in my community ended up saying, um, he ended up doing something really cool. I always got to give him credit because I don't want him to think that I just like stole it, but it's like I did. Um, <laughs> and essentially it's asking 10 questions, right? It was, re- it was broken down into 10 questions. And um, every question was a subtopic that all led to the big question on why do you wake up every day and do what you do, mm-hmm. right? And, um, and I really love that format because I love structure, right? And, I, and it allows, and of course I throw oddballs in there and things like that that I think come up that are good for contextual purposes. But I think it's really powerful. Uh, and that that really um, set the tone and the kind of core questions. Um, and then we do the ninja tips and tricks right at the yeah. end. Um, and I was like, you know, what is the biggest powerful things if we're saying allies? Um, the biggest thing I wanted was people to be able to learn more about the individual who they, you know, I asked the question, what would you be able to ask them? What if you ever have the opportunity to do that? Right? How mm-hmm. do you intro that? Well, if you listen to the podcast and that person just so happens to be on the podcast, great. Now, now you know, right, that you like the Suns, right? You're you, you paid somebody to do your fantasy league, you know, mm-hmm. like all these things. Like I know about you that I would have never have known, right, uh, or no one else would have maybe known that aren't, but unless they're close to you, right? Yeah. And that's what makes you an ally. Um, and then, and then there's another section: these are tips and tricks that are referred to uh, and focused on the what is your unique skill set. Right, mm-hmm. and, and from that, how can we glean on it? Just in happen chance. I mean, someone could be in the software community and listen to your podcast episode and be like, okay, wow. So my son is becoming an agent. His best way is to ask all of his cousins if they need to sell their house, okay. right? So I think it's just about figuring out what is the community you're looking to build. I wanted a community that was really focused on building up each other. Um, so in order to do that, I need to know more about the community reach out and always ask them like, what would you like? Do that, tally it, and then mm-hmm. be creative. Very scientific. Yeah. All right, so let's go to the questions here. Uh, we got quite a few, let's see. Um, you got a lot of fans. Do I? You got a lot of fans. Uh, so, Hi, everybody. Uh, Dewey wants to know where you're from. I am from, originally I'm from a little old town 
Uh, well, originally I was, I was born in Pottsville, Pennsylvania, in a coal town. Uh, I grew up in uh, just above Tampa in a little county called Citrus County, uh, and I, I'm currently in the Destin market. Got it. And then McLean, what's up McLean, says that I need to go do the REI SIFT Auto Lead Challenge. That you need to? I guess. Uh, so <laughs> what is the REI SIFT Auto Lead Challenge? Uh, so the, the Auto Lead Gen Challenge is basically everything that we talked about when it comes to the data side of it and all those other things. Mm-hmm. Um, it is my myth debunker, essentially. I'll just call it as like myth debunker. It's like a boot camp. Uh, for entrepreneurs, we start off in the first week really like hitting people, and then it goes into like how to properly manage data, how to do the marketing cycles, all that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Very cool. Um, people are saying you look really good. Thank you. Um, I, had, I, I had told Tyler a couple weeks ago, I thought he looked a little bit like Chris Hemsworth. Everyone says that. I'm like the, ba- the baby so, brother. So I'm not alone. Yeah. Okay, so My wife doesn't believe me, which was kind of insulting. <laughs> <laughs> could be worse. Could yeah. be worse. You, they, could, they could say you look like somebody else. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we talk about Air Force. Like, we're asking if you're Air Force. I already said you were. Yeah, Air Force. Uh, a few people mentioned it was stacked. So, stacked was the answer you were looking for. That's funny. <laughs> uh, JJ wants to know your most effective marketing channel. Right now, mm-hmm. y- the irony is direct mail. Yeah. And then Chucks wants to know which masterminds you recommend. Um, man, uh, well, Pretty sure real estate disruptors has a mastermind. I haven't attended. We do, right? We do. But it wouldn't be only natural, right? That you check out your uh, his content. You should probably check it out. Um, Carrot Camp is is it's kind of a mastermind, but it's it's more of a thing. You can only do it once a year. I think he does it twice a year. It's only up to twelve people. You have to be making a, at least six figures, I believe, and they do check. Um, so um, you know, I, I think a better question would be rather than the ones that I recommend. Um, would be figuring out, like I would have to know where you're at to be able to honestly answer that in an effective way because each one has its different ones. You got the collective genius, you got, uh, I mean, we have sales and marketing masterminds, but most likely um, isn't the right fit unless you know, you're know you doing a lot of deals. Um, there's, there's just like, it's better to understand where you're at first. So if you wanted to like uh, comment there, or tag me inside this post, I can comment if you tell me where you're, what you're doing. All right, very cool. Uh, Armani wants to know what's your favorite feature in REI SIFT. Maybe before we talk about that, what is REI SIFT? Uh, REI SIFT is my software product. It's um, a sales and marketing tool. Got it. What's your favorite feature within it? Uh, Property owner stacking. Very cool. Um, Yeah, they say you look like a young Thor. See, that's what I'm going for. I'm going for Thor, you know, but it's just not going to happen. It's just not meant to be. (laughs) Uh, Guys, keep asking your questions. I'm I'm happy to get them answered. So. See what other questions I always like to ask is so we're talking about you know a million revenue on thirty k in marketing spend so that's just purely marketing. Yeah, a good great question because people always ask me. I'm guess I'm assuming you're wondering what are my other overheads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so my team is super light. Um, one of the other biggest the myths, uh, a real estate myth, is that you need to have a ton of salespeople. If your acquisitions person this is my personal opinion, if your acquisitions person isn't only making offers all day and you go and you're like gonna hire a second one because you feel like you have too many leads coming in, that's not a acquisitions problem, that's a lead management problem, right? Um, so we're really focused on having a core lead manager, which we pay, because everyone will ask this question afterwards, might as well answer it. Uh, we pay $10 an hour, uh, 2.5% per deal closed mm-hmm. uh, for our lead manager. 
um, and our uh, acquisitions are in commission only scaling. Um, and we only have one acquisitions, one lead manager, uh, one cold caller. I've only ever had three. My team size has only got up to 12 uh, and I can't stand it. Um, I think that an ideal sweet spot for a wholesaling company that wants to be super lean and have a really low overhead but have a lot of revenue, if they do it the right way, is between six uh, and, and seven people, roughly between mm -hmm. there. Um, uh, so yeah, acquisitions, uh, dispositions, um, a prospector slash like go, no go, deep researcher, um, a dispositions, uh, CEO, uh, and then I, I think that every company right now should have some sort of portfolio, um, like sale, like more commercial style person. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, putting cost of sale aside, yeah. what is your monthly overhead? Uh, okay, yeah. So monthly overhead right now is just around, cause I do, it's weird cause I do direct mail every other month. Um, I'm doing Facebook right now, which has been fantastic. Um, and I spent like 4,500 this year in Facebook to so divide that by whatever we're at now. Mm -hmm. Um, and I pay, I would, I don't do my QuickBooks, so I'm, I'm assuming it's, it's somewhere around five or six grand. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I would imagine since you're, that's not including my salary, I should premise. Okay. Uh, so I would imagine that because you're diving really deep into these leads, that there's just less competition. Yeah. And because there's less competition, your margins would be higher. Yeah. So what is your average? Um, so our rate? average gets skewed a little bit. Um, it's like right around 28,500-ish right now. Um, but we get deals, like we include our JVs into that. So sometimes we do a JV for somebody and we'll only make like three grand mm -hmm. or um, something like that, and that kind of messes up that number. Uh, we locked up one yesterday. It's a fifty thousand dollar deal. We just closed one two days ago, seventy six thousand and some change. Um, generally, we're right around at, on average between thirty and ninety thousand for it. a deal. Um, and then you mentioned kind of casually that Facebook has been good for you. Yeah, which I don't hear that a lot. I hear Facebook works for some people. Yeah, I don't ever hear anyone say Facebook's been good for me. Yeah. Care to elaborate on that? Yeah, so uh, we talk about touch points, right? Mm -hmm. um, and a touch a touch point that most people highly overlook. I I think one of the biggest mistakes people make in marketing and money wise is they they look at it at a monthly cost. It's an annual cost, mm -hmm. right? Um, and from Facebook and even from my direct mail, I say, okay, if I can spend twenty four thousand a year, right? Because I'm committed. Because I know I'm going to be here in five, ten, six, seven, ten years. Now I'm like I'm not doing this like low key. Like I want to be here forever. Um, and uh, so I know I'm gonna have 24,000 in direct mail because uh, it's about 3,500 per direct mail right now. Um, and I'm gonna spend roughly $1,000 in Facebook. How, how can I get in front of these individuals better? And that is get them in the, in the we had the one I just mentioned that we did 50,000. He came in as a direct mail lead two months ago. Mm -hmm. um, he wasn't ready to move forward. We've been following up with him, can't reach him. He just converted to a Facebook lead two days ago and we locked up the contract yesterday. Awesome. Right, so it's about it's about the people who matter, you get in front of them in as many ways that you can and become known to them as the presence that they need to talk to. Like it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a relationship thing. 
Was that a custom audience thing or a gener generic marketing? Um, so the buckets I talked about, everything revolves around those buckets. Mm -hmm. um, so in Facebook, we take all those buckets and we create audiences. Um, we then create lookalike audiences for, for all of those. And then we do a retargeting on uh, the website as well as anybody who watches any of my videos for more than three seconds. Got it, very cool. So I'm gonna ask you the same question here, is what gets you out of bed in the morning? Mm. Um, so I gotta make sure that I don't answer in the ways that I tell people not to answer. Um, but uh, I think for me, it's, it's uh, like I think if I remember correctly for you, it was looking back to yesterday and making sure that you're a better you today than you were yesterday, mm -hmm. right? Um, for me, uh, it's making sure that anybody who I've interacted with is a better them than they were yesterday. So you just want to help other people yeah. grow. Yes. What's your biggest struggle right now? Um, honestly, my probably my biggest struggle for in, in life, business, or what? Just in general. In general. Um, you know, I think that my biggest struggle right now is deciding on who I want to be tomorrow. Yeah. What does that mean? Um, you know, uh, as an entrepreneur, right? Like for me, I have my real estate company on my software company, right? Um, real estate company is pretty hands off. Got really awesome, you know, teammates in that that are that are doing really well. Um, but I struggle with deciding on do I want to be a software serial printer or do I want to be a real estate, you know, tycoon type individual, right? Mm -hmm. What I've learned is that even though I really love solving problems, I love solving problems and receiving gratification at scale. I can do that the most in software than I can in real estate. Um, so um, I think that's where I get split. I get split on where where do I want, and then uh, accurately taking that and allocating my time properly to, to diminish those across. It's really tough as a serial entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, Leo Hackett wants to know, when you're talking about making offers all day, is it asking price? Do you ask an asking price or do you just give seller offers? No, so um, a lead manager should not send an acquisitions a, a deal to make an offer to unless they're ready to receive a cash offer um, or learn more about some other tactic, be it owner financing or a sub two or something like that. Um, if it's a listing type deal, the lead manager will speak to them about that and then we kick it over to an agent. Uh, AI entrepreneur wants to know what trends you've noticed during the pandemic. Uh, I've made more money during the pandemic than I have ever before. Yeah, I've heard that a lot from a few different people. Uh, Rob Meister wants to know, why did you start REI Sift? Um, because there wasn't anything where I could clean my data um, and then do the milking tactic. See, a lot of data that you have, it's incomplete, and that incomplete data no one else buys. Um, and uh, I, I wanted a way to be able to not buy as much any more data and leverage the data I already have. So we clean that data weekly. It gets pushed into our clean data. It get that gets relationships with the other data, and we just continue to just cycle through those buckets and and close deals. You might want to elaborate what milk means. Yes. Uh, so milk milking is uh, it's exactly how you would think, right? Uh, when I was coming up, like, well, how do I teach my team how to milk? I was like, you got to think like a cow, right? Uh, so that's exactly what it is. Um, in the tears reduction method, it stands for make it look clean with a K. Got it, got it, perfect. Yeah. What is your superpower? Um, my superpower I would say is taking complicated 
tasks and scenarios um, and relaying it into um, something that's easier to understand. Awesome. Uh, there's some questions here about how did you find your acquisition and lead managers? Um, my lead managers I've hired from a couple different places, um, LinkedIn, uh, but in the end what I'm gonna say is a blanket answer to that is your sphere of influence um, is your best source for uh, good employees in my experience. Very cool. People were saying that uh, <clears throat> apparently you're a legend, I had no idea. Uh, and this interview, this interview was long overdue. So I had mentioned to you, there are a couple people in, in my Facebook group, was like, you gotta put Tyler Austin. I was like, oh, I didn't even know he was doing that much. I knew, <laughs> I knew you had REI stuff. I had no idea you were doing that much business. Yeah. Uh, so uh, second to last question is, what book have you gifted more than any other? What book have I gifted? Like mm -hmm. give, physically given to somebody? Mm -hmm. um, I guess you can email it to them. Yeah, uh, the Go-Giver series. Yeah, series. Yeah. I'll well, elaborate on the series. Everyone knows about the Go-Giver book. Yeah. So the series, the series has Go-Giver itself, Go-Giver Influencer, Go-Giver Seller, and uh, there's one more, Go-Giver Purple. I always remember the colors, red, green, purple. Is it only three? I can't remember the last one. I have one. no idea, I only read the yeah. one book. Uh, seller and Influencer are fantastic. Seller is my favorite. What's Go-Giver Seller about? Um, it's really about, uh, uh, taking what you learn and go giver as being having the mindset of giving, right? And then transferring that into sales. Got it. Very cool. Yeah. All right. So last question is, did you watch the debate last night? I did. So we're not gonna have any opinions about the debate. Okay. But Joe Rogan was, you know, pushing. Yeah. Like, hey, we should have Biden and Trump in my studio in Austin, Texas. Yeah. Right, it'd be four hours, it'd be uninterrupted, and just be through. Right. And after, after that debacle last night. Yeah, it was crazy. It's like, to hell with that, I want no part of that. Yeah. So what do you think if I said, Trump, Biden, come here in the studio, let's do a four hour debate? I think you should do it. All right. In the new office. In the new office? In the new office. And we're gonna blast the hell out of it. Blast the hell out of it. A uh, hundred thousand percent. I mean, if it's not Joe Rogan, it's got to be somebody. Yeah, and we're gonna have a couple of uh, uh, mic kill buttons. Mic kill buttons. It's <laughs> <laughs> so like a contestant show, right? It's yeah, like there uh, you go. Yeah, you're, you're done. Your, your part's over. What were you saying? <laughs> yep, exactly. That's what we're gonna have to do. Love it. All right, so we're gonna have just a couple of quick announcements. Think about last thoughts you want to leave listeners with. Um, Hang on, you gotta, you gotta think about it. I'm gonna make a quick announcement. Oh, okay, good. All right, guys. So um, for me, it really helps me a lot for the algorithms. If you guys can like, subscribe, share, and comment. So if you guys can please do one of those, just one out of those four, it would help me a lot with the algorithm so we can get the message across because unfortunately my reach is limited by the number of subscribers. Like YouTube will not share it more mm -hmm. than 2X my subscribers, their algorithms. So if you guys can do that, I'd be really uh, much, much appreciated. And then check out our classroom disruptors.com it's uh the classroom is done the studio's a work in progress but classroom is done check it out if you guys want to uh, come to the the workshop disruptors.com last thoughts um all right so what i'm gonna leave you guys with uh is that whatever you're dreaming of right now right um whatever keeps you awake at night because you feel like you can't accomplish it like you can uh if i can uh then you definitely can trust me. Uh, like I said, I was an ammo troop. Uh, they don't need the really high ASVAB score. 
uh, and uh, and keep pushing towards prosperity, whatever prosperity means to you. That does not mean riches. That does not mean uh, you know uh, I don't know having a Bugatti, wh- whatever it is. Like it, think about what your perfect scenario life is in 25 years from now, and start start pulling the layer back and, and building it out. So whatever prosperity means to you, you you can get it. Just just work hard. I love it. Um, and then you can always send this YouTube link to your wife so she can understand the Chris Hemsworth. Thing. Yeah, like seriously, hon, <laughs> what the hell? Uh, if someone wants to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Uh, you can, Instagram's really the best place. I have a hundred missed messages on Facebook. Um, so, but I, I'm pretty much everywhere at Tyler Austin Original. So at Tyler Austin Original on, uh, on Instagram, that's the best place for sure. Um, I prefer voice messages. Um, I don't really like just standard messages. So if you if you want to send a voice message, to be that's awesome. I'll respond with a voice message if if I have the time. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's the best place. Awesome, guys. Thank you for watching. Thank you. This was hey, a pleasure. Appreciate it, man. Love it. Yeah, see, we real estate disruptors. Can't nobody touch us And yeah, we about to give you game Shout out to Steve Train Real estate disruptors They cannot touch us And yeah, we about to give you game Shout out to Steve Train